Hey, everybody. Welcome to Drink While You Think. I'm your host, Matthew, and this is definitely not Kenji. Today, we are talking about all things marketing for accounting firm owners. So every tidbit that we can think of, marketing tips, we're going to go. And since Kenji knows nothing about marketing and is useless, I have asked Brooke Beach to join us. Uh, For those of you that don't know Brooke, she runs a firm called MarketWake. MarketWake has been doing acuities marketing since I looked this up, 2015, Brooke. Which is, I know, which is really weird because it was like pre-MarketWake, but also MarketWake. Yeah. I mean, we were one of the first customers, which is kind of crazy. And the first. Feel, well, I have to tell everybody for perspective, in 2015, Acuity did 3.6 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. So we are now triple in 2022. We're triple the size that we were then. So you're a big part of that, Brooke and the team at MarketWake. So appreciate that. Thanks for joining us. Tell everybody a little bit about MarketWake and most importantly, what are you drinking today? Okay. Well, I'll start with that because it is very important. I graduated from the University of Georgia and therefore had to go with the alma mater, Creature Comforts Tropicalia. And because Chris Hemsworth drank it in the uh, Last Avengers movie as his character Thor. So I figured it was a really important beer on many, on many levels. Yes. On, on, on a vast number of planes. That's a, that's a, on, on so many levels. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to open it now though, before I start talking. Okay. Well you open it and I'll tell them about mine. So I'm doing the third of four wicked weed brewings. This is the Imperial stout brewed with chocolate and natural hemp like flavors, which has me nervous. I'm actually not a hemp like flavored beer. So this is an eight and a half percenter, but Tropicalia for those of you that haven't been to Atlanta is one of the staples here. Cheers, Brooke. Thanks Cheers. for and drink what you think. Woo-hoo. Also, this is 6.6, which by the time we're done with this, it's going to be an exciting time. I have a funny story about Wicked Weed, actually. So do you know the name, where the name came from? I, I assume it has some something to do with weed, but I have no idea. It has nothing to do with weed. Okay. Tell us the story. Okay. Oh, this is fun. Starting with story time. So I have no idea the date but this is definitely what Google's for. So whoever's watching can look this up and yell at me on the screen. Um, But one of the Kings of England decided absolutely no more hops. He wanted to put a tax on it. And um, he said, we are going to control it. Like you guys cannot make it. The government is essentially going to control it. We're going to produce it. We're going to ration it. Well, and it wasn't actually hops. It was something different. Um, And all of the, his entire population, the entire kingdom said, you can't control our beer intake. You cannot control that. We are going to go figure something else out. So they went and found hops, which was a weed at the time. It was literally a weed because he wanted to control wheat. He wanted to control barley. He wanted to control everything else. And so they said, if you're going to control the wheat and the barley and we can't make any alcohol of it, we're going to go find a weed. And they looked and looked and looked. And finally they found hops and started making the most delicious beer on the face of the planet. And it is. And the King said, this is a pernicious and wicked weed and we're going to condemn it and try to burn it and that's where it came from these are the kind of things you learn at drink while you think so tell us what market wake does for your clients like what 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 kind of stuff marketing is kind of a broad term so tell and you guys have added more services so i'd, I'd love to know 
all the things that you guys do um, or some big categories? It is. It, it is very broad and it's, it, it's evolving over time. And I'm excited to talk about that of kind of what the next phase of marketing looks like, especially as everything's moving deeper and deeper and deeper into digital. But right now we really focus on conversion optimization. So what that looks like is how are we telling your story? And then how are we optimizing the funnel at every single phase, which typically includes demand gen offerings, paid media, SEO, content creation, and website performance. And then the undercurrent of all of that is obviously excellent content and excellent design. But really those those four offerings are what we're the most known for is paid media, SEO, content, and web. That's awesome. Um, and, and you built our website twice. Uh, yeah. I mean, so shooting for a third. I know that, that's, that's what I that's what I hear. Um, the, um, so, you know, about of the accounting firms or the cloud accounting firms in the United States, you know, a huge majority of them are between five and twenty five people. So, like between half a million dollars in revenue and two and a half million dollars of revenue. So, we're thinking from that lens. Like, and you're thinking like, what you, you, you remember what it was like when your company was that size and you're a yeah. founder and we have all have limited time. So if you had like, you can do three things. What, 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 how do you rank them and how do you, how do you, how do you prioritize them? So. It's, it's, it's a good question. Um, first it is, first it is based on your offerings always starting with content. You can't just produce content without a strategy. Um, What I think COVID did was escalate people's move into digital where anyone who's doing SEO before could could rank. And then everyone realized, okay, we're not doing sponsorships. We're not doing events. So we're going to write as much content as we can. So if anyone is, is in that phase, I would say the most important thing that you can do is a solid SEO strategy because it's digital real estate. Where you show up is one of the most important things about your business when it comes to marketing. People are typing in questions. They're looking for answers. And if you're not showing up at the front, we've been saying this for years, but it's even more important now because it's even more crowded than it used to be. Um, so SEO is a really important aspect. Uh, your your brand messaging and the personality that you show. Like, I love Acuity's personality. I mean, it's, you guys have done such a great job with it. It's it's dry, it's witty, it's memorable, it's approachable. That personality is really important, especially in professional services, because you're not selling a platform that gets to be hands-off. You're selling a relationship. So if you're not showcasing that relationship, you're missing a huge opportunity to, to, to connect with people where they are. Um, so what is your brand? What's that messaging? What's your SEO content? And then the other aspect is very debatable, very debatable. I see both sides. It's between paid media and social. Um, And the reason why it's debatable is because paid and social run hand in hand in so many ways Like you can run paid ads on social. But also if you're running paid and you don't have a solid social presence, your paid isn't going to be as effective. And if you have a solid social presence, but you're not doing paid, then you might miss on opportunities. So everyone thinks that that social and paid are very separate. And it's like, mm, no, they're really, really closely tied. So let's dig on content for a while. You've always told me this. And I call joke when I talk to accountants that like marketing and blogging is like eating my vegetables. You, you told me it's good for me. So I just do it. Um, and we have like 400 blogs now. So like, I know there's a lot of services or I think a lot of people slip into like uh, somebody gets a package and they'll, they'll, the marketing firm will 
say, okay, we give you four blogs a, a month or four blog or one blog a week or two blogs a month or, 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 or something like that. And we'll kind of blot out content. So if you're like a, if you're like trying to get this going, like how do you weigh kind of like producing your own content or um, versus, you know, just playing a writer to do it? And how do you keep your mm. voice if you do that? The voice is really important because most of the time, especially in your industry, people are, people are smart. They know what they're talking about and they can sniff a fake and they can sniff. So there's a difference between writing for Google bots and SEO and writing for humans. At the end of the day, our belief consistently is you write for the humans. You make sure that everything is from your brand voice and in line with your industry. The way that we go about doing that is a lot of interviews. So we, we will interview our clients, we'll record, we'll transcribe. You guys at the end of the day are the experts. We are the experts at SEO and the strategy behind it, but we're also not going to say, oh yeah, we know your industry way better than you do. Like you just sit back and rest. So we rely heavily on our clients and the information that they hold. So we'll do interviews, we'll record them, we'll transcribe them. And then we add some transitions and SEO and make it prettier. Um, and that's, that's really the method that we work with, or someone has a content writer in house and their entire job is to understand intimately the industry. Typically content writers are not SEO strategists. And that is one mistake that I see people make all the time. Of like, Oh yeah, my content writer knows SEO. And it's like, no, those are two very different skill sets. One's very analytical and the other one's more creative, not saying that they can't be one in the same, that it can happen. It's just unlikely. So we, like working with people who have in-house content writers, you guys do, who's, she's phenomenal. Um, and then if we don't, then we'll do a lot of those interviews to make sure that the voice and the, the knowledge, like I remember when we were doing information on PPP and Acuity released all kinds of information on the PPP and it was way over the team's head and it should have been because it was brand new and never been launched before. And you guys, I think you had a CFO channel, Slack channel where you're figuring it out and you're reading all the ins and outs and we come in and interview you guys as the experts and then we can write it and put it out. But as the SEO strategist, we're making sure that it's going to show up at the top. And that's when you see rankings skyrocket and keywords go from you're ranking for five to you're ranking for 5,000. So I think a turning point in, and for me, with you guys, was when we moved to that content strategy you talked about, where I would do a, I would literally, um, the way it worked was you had a point person there and they would send me a, a counting question that was kind of ranking. Yeah. And then I would do a five minute Zoom video and I would just talk and answer the question. Stream then, of consciousness, by the way. You should definitely yeah. put those videos on YouTube. Oh, I, 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 you guys have all those. And then, <laughs> and then, um, they would write it right. And then they would put art in it or creative stuff in there that I could never do. And then I would edit it to make sure that it, like, we didn't lose any of the technical stuff. Right. And then they would post and it would go, and it was just a crazy thing. I thought this was just a phenomenal strategy if people are looking um, for that. So let's switch gears on that. So that's a big strategy, you know, blogs, you know, people understand that. How does it, how does video now work with YouTube being such a channel? And I've had my eyes open. I mean, I've thought this for a long time, but then I saw when we did the catching clouds acquisition, their YouTube channel and their views, which is in the thousands and 20,000s of views per, per 
content piece versus ours, which were like a hundred because we would we weren't weren't as consistent with the video as we were with the blog. So talk about where you think video is going. Video is everything. I mean, YouTube has a TV channel now, YouTube TV. It is videos, video is unbelievably important. And um that's not new information, but I think the thing that's important is Google can't crawl video. So a lot of companies haven't invested a lot of time in video because it's like, well, we, we're not going to get SEO value out of this video. So like, why are we doing it? And this goes back to the funnel conversation, right? Of yes, you may not get SEO value out of it. You can always transcribe the video and have, have all, the whole transcription underneath. So you get plenty of SEO value out of it. But also not all videos need to lead to a form conversion. If we're not filling the top of the funnel, then you're not going to have opportunities at the bottom of the funnel. And a lot of video is that top of funnel brand awareness where it's relatively cheap now. It's not about the the quality of the video. Like you don't need to go out and pay 20, 30, $40,000 for an excellent video that you're going to do once every two years. Like it's about the volume of it. You can do it on your cell phone. I mean, iPhone videos are fantastic. We just say get video content out there. And then you can start filling that top of funnel where people are just dipping their toes in. They're interested. Maybe they just think that you're hilarious and they watch you because you're a personality. It doesn't matter why they watch it because going back to professional services, it's all a timing game, right? Like someone might not be ready for you right now, but they could be in six months. And if they like you and they feel like there's already a relationship there, they're going to be more likely to trust you when that time does come. So we always say, Hey, listen, we know that it could be an investment and it's, it's time consuming and you might not see the direct results immediately, but you got to fill the top of the funnel some way. You might as well have at least a record of your story while you do it. And the only thing that's super unintuitive about video to me is the most important video thing about video is the audio. So invest in a mic, people, if you are doing video or make sure your mic is tight because the top video quality is dead. We actually had to do that for the podcast because uh, we, I mean, people were like, hey, that's great, but like, get a good mic, Matthew. <laughs> like, Literally get a good mic. I don't care what the video looks like, even if it's fuzzy, just like, I don't like hearing sandpaper. Right. Yeah. They, that was a, That's a great, great, great tip for people. I like Vidloft. I love Vidloft. So if you're looking for produced videos in particular, there's a company called Vidloft that Brooke and I both use now. I mm-hmm. think I introduced, no, I was a customer first. It's debatable. I'll you fight knew, you on it. You knew about it, but I think yeah. I was the, a paying customer of theirs first. Correct. Uh, but Vidloft will send you a kit, like mm-hmm. a, a professional video camera kit and the audio equipment. You do the recordings you upload the recordings and then they do the professional video editing editing. So it's great. And they do it in 48 hours. Yes. And they flip the edits in 48 hours and you get three edit runs. It's, it's a phenomenal service. So anybody looking for a a, a tip on that? Okay. One of our secret sauce things that um, I think we don't talk about very often is um, we, we get a lot of leads, right? So we identify leads through our sales team. One of our secret sauce things is a drip campaign. And I think that's something that's underutilized mm-hmm. by people in the space, um, but it's very scalable, right? Can you talk about what a drip campaign is and like when people should use it and kind of how often you should look at it, that kind of stuff? Yep. Um, drip campaigns, nurture campaigns, engagement campaigns, whether whatever platform you're in, whether it's HubSpot, Pardot, or MailChimp or any of the other ones. Uh, most people... 
think most people nowadays ignore email as an important factor because it was so prevalent. And then it's like, oh, that's old news. But it's unbelievably important. And it's important at a couple areas. Like if you're if you're more on the e-commerce side, obviously email's a huge part of your strategy, but people on the B2B side, they never think about it. And it's always a last thing. And the emails are hideous and they don't look good in their subject lines. They have like the high first name and they're not paying any attention and they're missing a huge opportunity. So nurture campaigns, drip campaigns, whatever you will, um, they they're a sequence of information and they're essentially telling a story. So if you think about a good story, it touches on the highlights, right? Like it, it, it obscures all of the mundane details and it focuses on the emotion and the highlights of the most important aspects. That's why you like the story. That's exactly what a nurture campaign does. It gets rid of all of the noise and you are literally curating content, the exact right content for this specific target audience. So you can say, hey, listen, we're, we're going to look at real estate agents differently than we are people who are in the SaaS industry. Or we're going to look at other professional services firms a little bit different. And we're going to hand curate that content and then deliver it to them at the right time. And then maybe add a personal note in there, because again, back to the relationship, it's the most important aspect. So we'll just, we'll, we'll curate this content. We'll have some blogs, we'll have some videos, we'll have some information. And then maybe email number three that gets sent on day 21. We'll have a little note from Matthew that says, just check it in. I'm here for you. And everyone's like, Matthew, oh my gosh, I see your drink while you think that's so sweet of you. I, I love the personal touch. They don't know that it's automated and they never have to know. Yeah. I mean, it's an unbelievable thing. Um, we've, we've had, I think, very, I think we're on about version seven of our drip campaign. Mm -hmm. It's like probably, but um, I think the current one is about an eight month drip campaign. I think it has 15 touches for mm -hmm. the core tech SaaS uh, drip campaign. And then right now we're developing an e-com one based on the one um, that the catching clouds uh, folks had. So, um, but um, I'll it's, have to it's an art. It's an art and a science. Like it, it's a lot of time and it's a lot of strategy to figure out when are we going to send these messages? What's the delay? What's the pause in between each email? What's the subject line of each email? And then you study it. So you put five or six emails out there. Then you look at all the analytics and you say, which one got the best open rate, which call to action did the best, what email performed. And then you even look at the ones. So if you say email number five performed the best, was email number four bad or good? And did that influence email number five? So there's a lot of analytics that goes into a really strong nurture campaign, but if you can put the time into it, it's really effective. Oh yeah. And we have conversions frequently because of this timing thing that Brooke talked about earlier. That it's like when people want to change professional services firms, it's just a timing thing, but it's, it's, it's about every month or every other month we have a client convert that on the list has been getting our emails for two years. Two years. So, and ours is, uh, I think our runs eight months and then our newsletter goes after that and at the newsletter cadence. So I think that's, that's what we're at right now. I think we've been at different cadences, six months, eight months, two years, I think were the ones we tried out. And then the newsletter is always really consistent. So, well, and think about too, the time saving with your sales reps, no sales rep wants to reach out to a cold lead for two years. That's right. like, death to soul. Um, so this is a free automated way to keep in touch with people without having to expend sales rep time, which is a very good trade-off. Okay. I have a weird accounting mm. problem that we have in the accounting firms. So when okay. we're, when we're thinking about paid search, unlike other professional service firms, 
we also have to compete with terms that Zero's buying and Intuit's buying and Bill.com's buying and Gusto's buying and ADP's buying and stuff like that. So I know it's been a struggle for us and we've seen very little return on paid search when we've done that. Um, can you talk about kind of the page search that you kind of like almost have to do and then the paid search that like, where, where does it go? If you're accounting for a owner, how are you thinking about paid search in particular in our industry? First, you have to have a very, very clear concept into the ideal cost per lead. Because if you don't have a good concept into that, you can spend money really, really quickly and you can you can overspend um, without understanding what the funnel looks like of how much should I be spending for an MQL versus an opportunity versus a customer. Um, so that that from a KPI perspective is the first way that we start backing into a budget. Some of the ways that we like to tackle it is, is one, what's the opportunity out there? You Professional services, especially in the accounting world, it's very, very, very competitive because you are competing with platforms and software that aren't competitors. They're actually compatible, but they're buying your keywords. And that's what's bizarre and difficult about your space is most of the time when we're dealing with clients, you're not dealing with people who are buying your words that are compatible with you. They're typically competitors. You're facing competitors and partners purchasing the same keywords. Um, so with that, what we typically do is say, you should pay for the real estate of your name because you don't want anyone above you. If someone Googles acuity.co, you should not have competitors above you at any point in time. It's just a monopoly play, right? Like I want to make sure that the page on Google looks really, really good. And acuity is the first, second, and third spot when someone Googles your name. Because the worst thing that can happen is if someone says, uh, I think I saw this email or the social post called Acuity. They type in Acuity. They're not quite positive. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's a competitor, the first thing that they see. So I think those branded key terms are very, very important. But then there's also a play for the competitive key terms of, hey, are there competitors that are, are trying to bid on us? In which case, can we bid against them and, and kind of knock them down. You don't want to necessarily always play that game, but but sometimes in this space, because it is so competitive, you have to. Um, and then the other aspect is timeliness. Some of the best campaigns that we did was around the PPP, where this is brand new. People don't even have the time to create ads around it. They don't even have the content around it. So if you have any kind of topic that is very relevant or unique to you and your firm that can solve a problem, think about it as a problem solver, where people are literally typing in questions into Google and they're seeking very specific information, that's a huge opportunity for paid because it is search. Like paid search is... They're typing something in and you're showing up. So you have to understand what their problem is in order to show up for the as the right solution. Um, so those, if there's a very specific timely problem, uh, making sure that you own your own real estate and you own your own page. And then two is if competitors are trying to bid on your name, you have to play a little bit of defense. I think one of the biggest ones for me is ad roll. So like uh, from a play, oh, display is a whole nother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I guess that's display. So that's a little different. And think of that. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that don't know, so there is a uh, a company called AdRoll, and I'm sure there's multiple services that do this now that allow mm -hmm. you to put a pixel on your website. So if somebody comes to your website and then they go somewhere else, which is why you see a couch, if you go couch shopping on your- Retargeting. You know, go to Facebook. So it's through the retargeting ads. So if somebody's already been to my website, 
I'm more willing to pay for the display ads um, for those uh, in particular. And then on the paid side, what you're talking about after kind of your own name in our space, what I found is what they call the, they told me, I think it's called the, correct me, Brooke, if I'm wrong, the long string keywords. Long tail. The long tail keywords. So instead of uh, bidding on bookkeeping, you would bid on Atlanta bookkeeping services. Yep. Right. Instead of just because um, Intuit is less likely. Well, now Intuit does bid on bookkeeping services. That's a bad example. Zero won't bid on bookkeeping services, right? But uh, uh, they'll, they'll do bookkeeping software. Or, um, But well, think about the way that you Google as a, your own consumer. Typically, you're not putting in a word. Like you're not putting in bookkeeping unless you want the definition of it. Like you're typing in a problem. And that's like going back to the problem-based ads of best bookkeeping services or best bookkeeping for cleanup or um, best CPA firms near me. So um, if we're expanding from search, because what I was referring to, so there's a lot of different types of ads. Okay. Can I get nerdy for a minute? I'm going to sure. get nerdy. Okay. So in the, okay, in the world of ads, there is search, which is literally ads that are showing up based on what people are searching for. That's where the long tail keywords are really important, where people are searching for solutions to a problem that they're having. If you can't identify that problem, you have no right putting the ads up because you're not going to show up and you're going to be wasting a lot of money. So like best bookkeeping near me, local is really important to that. Um, Bookkeeping for outdated books, like things that people might be searching for that drive them towards a solution. Then there's display and retargeting. Display are the visual ads that you see that follow you around. Um, You put a pixel on your website and then they visit there once and then they can never shake acuity. And then there's social. Social is completely proactive and based on audience. Social is actually more around account-based marketing concepts than most people realize because you can literally take a list just like you would in your nurture campaigns. You can take a list from your CRM. Let's say you're using Salesforce, take a list, upload it into Facebook. You can actually do it in Google now too. You can upload it into any of these platforms. And then you can build lookalike audiences. So if you say, here are the common factors of our best customers. They, these are the demographics. These are the psychographics. Here's how we're going to search. You can build lookalike audiences and then you can be proactive where they're not searching for you because sometimes they're, they're ready and they're searching. Those are the fastest to close, but a lot of times it's a timing game. They're not ready yet. You just got to get the top of the funnel. That's where social paid comes in paid social. Um, and then you can be really proactive in the way that you're targeting those accounts based on your existing list. Yeah, that's that's really cool, especially as you're if you're niching, like finding your favorite clients in your niche, like and then building like having the tools do the prospecting basically, where you say, "Here's my customers that I love. Find me more people like this." That's just yeah. a that's a, just an ingenious uh, uh, way to do that. Uh, from that, okay, so we've covered a bunch of the the things we can do, but you know, as dealing, since you've dealt with me for a long time, we're pains in the asses accountants. And we, we have just one question. Oh Lord. What do we track to make sure we're successful? So I will ask you between three and five, no more than five, no less than three. 
what are the marketing, not the sales, the marketing only metrics we should we should we should start with and then maybe the first three and then you might get some bonus if the three are good. So <laughs> close one value of marketing generated leads. Okay, so tell us what that means. Mm, yes. I don't even know what that means. Fantastic. Um a lot of a lot of marketers say let's look at at leads or marketing qualified leads first as the metric to success for marketing. But I disagree because I can drive you a lot of really horrific leads and take credit for them as a marketing qualified because they filled out a form, but like it doesn't actually matter. So what's more important to me is how many leads did we drive become actual customers? So if we like kind of reverse the funnel a little bit and say, no, the most important metric is how many customers closed, how much are they paying? And then the lifetime value of it, like, were they worth it? So if if we're looking at our cost to acquire- That came straight from a marketing, like the initial introduction was from a marketing source. Got it. Yes. So, and also it changes the cost to acquire. So if we're looking at cost to acquire- is is $500 per customer. This is totally made up. But marketing generated customers typically stay for three years versus sales generated because the marketing led felt like they had a say in it and they weren't sold. That cost to acquire is a totally different number because the lifetime value of that customer is actually more valuable than a different type of lead. So the, the, the lifetime value and the the actual value of the customer is a very important metric that most marketers are never looking at because they think that their job is done once it closes. And it's like, it is and it isn't because you want to keep them engaged, but then also you want to know the quality of your leads. So then you can build those lookalike audiences and you can do account-based marketing. So if you realize, Hey, these are the ones that we're bringing in and they're lasting for three years. Our, our cost of acquisition is actually a lower number if we're accounting for the average that they're staying on as a customer. That's cool. What's your next one? Metric number uh, two. Th- this, this is top of funnel. It's traffic to website, excluding bots. Okay. The reason why I say that, and you have to make sure that you're not including bots or otherwise you're going to be like, oh, we're doing great. And it's like, mm, no, that's that's definitely a hack. Um, but if you're not getting a good amount of traffic to your website, then the top of funnel is going to start to diminish over time. It's like a lightning bug, you know, it's like, well, it's really bright. And then give it an hour and I don't know where they go. Um, but if you need, you need to keep that top of funnel as stacked as possible because the sales cycle is so much longer than people imagine. Um, so traffic to your website is always an indicator of the quality of content, where Google is ranking you, um, the fact that you're going to have opportunities in the pipeline over the next six to 12 to 18 months, because we know how long it takes 12 touches for them to come back. So that so, is a, an so, undervalued metric. So if if I'm trying to get a sense for where I am in, like, in relation to some of the competitors I have that I consider like aspirational, right? Mm -hmm. Where do I find, can you find that information website traffic on competitors? Is that something or how do I know what's good? Right. It's, it's for, you know what? You guys are accountants. You're going to love this. It's reverse math. 
So if you say, if you say in order to get this number of customers, we need this many leads or this many MQLs and this many SQL, that means we need this much traffic. It's all reverse math. So it's actually not necessarily based on competitors. It's based on your goals and your own funnel. Okay. That's cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the next one for us? So you got MQL. Paid paid ranking, Google keywords. The more keywords, it's it's organic, it's free. It's the most helpful that you can be. It means that you're one, um, you're increasing your ranking for people think like five to 10 keywords. No, you can rank for thousands of keywords, which means you are producing helpful content that Google and the world deems to be valuable. The more keywords that you can rank for organically, the longer tenure you're going to have. Like you've, you've seen content before and you're like, I didn't even know that the company was still around, but that one blog post is still there and they're still holding prime real estate. That means whatever they produced was actually truly remarkably relevant content. And that's what we want for our, our, our companies and our clients is like, don't just try to get customers, actually try to be helpful. Like try to help them. They might never use you, but there has to be a degree of altruism in what you're doing, or you come across as like this crazy tyrant who just wants their money. Like right. you have to be producing good quality content and good quality content is evident through the number of keywords that you're ranking for. So keyword ranking is a really important one. And where do we figure that out? Google Analytics. So Google Analytics, and it just shows you how many words you're ranking for? An Ahrefs and SEMrush. Okay. Ahrefs. Ahrefs and SEMrush, two phenomenal tools that will help you understand your keyword ranking. SEMrush, Ahrefs. I've heard of Ahrefs and not SEMrush. Okay. I'll give you mine. My current OKR is form fills. It's kind of like in the middle there of the funnel. Are they quality form fills? Well, or just any form fills. I'm just making sure, and I kind of go through cycles of like what I'm focusing on so I can mm-hmm. understand. So I'm digging in on are they quality or are they not? But I'm tracking form fills. Absolutely. And I have a goal for form fills, and they're obviously form fills equal MQL kind of, and then that has to do to a, like I expect a 25% close rate. Because mm-hmm. most of our form fills are the appointment link because you can mm-hmm. book online. So um, so I assume 25% of those have to close, like to be consistent or um, not 25% have to close. I think 25% have to get to meeting, 25% of those have to close, something like that. I have some metrics, yeah, to do the quality on that. But, it, you're, but you're spot on because it's like the reverse math of the traffic of like how much right. traffic do we need to get the form fills in order to get the SQLs to get the customers? Like that right. is that is the funnel. Absolutely. That's cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, do you have any bonus ones? Uh, um, I, that was, that, they were okay, the three. So you get one bonus one. Not you don't get two. Okay, all right. Um, the, the funnel that we look at is like awareness, interest, consideration, conversion. So like who, who's in the awareness phase, who's in the interest phase of like, they're, they're, they're not just aware of your brand. They haven't just seen a, a, a blog post or a social post, but they're interested. They're staying on the page a little bit longer. Then consideration is maybe they downloaded a gated piece of content or they watched a bunch of videos. And then obviously conversion is that they filmed out the form. And then that is when it kind of gets handed off into the sales, but it, the funnel keeps going. That's just kind of like the four tiers of the marketing funnel. 
to get to an MQL. So everyone is like, oh, MQL is one phase. And it's like, no, there's literally a funnel within a funnel there to get that MQL. Um, there's a so many. So like, what's the... <laughs> Don't get a bunch. <laughs> there's so many. Like, what's the return on ad spend? What's the cost per lead? What's the lifetime value of a customer? What's the traffic? No, we can't handle that. We need three. Oh, okay, I'm going to stop you at the three. So we got your three. Okay. But I like form fills. Put form fills on there, folks, because then you have something tactical that comes out of your thing. Like yeah. they filled out a form. They talked to somebody on the side. I do cut out the ones that um, are like somebody trying to, no, yeah. people trying to sell us stuff. Like they don't count. Or, like or um, oh, this is another good use for the nurture campaigns, though. Like people who fill out a form and they're like looking for a job. You say, we might, we might wait, but you can't go into our MQL and put them on a different kind of like career path nurture campaign. Yeah, that's right. That's definitely true. Well, cool. Well, thank you, Brooke Beach from Market Wake. How can people find you on social media or website or where can people find out more information about what you guys do and stuff like that? Go to marketwake.com, market wake, like a wake in the water, or if you're European, like a funeral, which I get every <laughs> once in a while. And I'm always like, no, that's not what we do. Um, it's like, oh, we're, we're in the, with the ocean analogy. Okay, that's we're bad. not in the funeral business. No, no, we're in the life business. Um, so yes, marketwake.com, and then all of our handles on social are just marketwake. It was available. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's a what good branding does for you. And yep. then last of all, we're going to give Kenji homework. He's going to have to push this into Untapped. You have to rate your beer from a zero to a five, five being the best with quarter point increments. So you want to go first? No, you go first. Well, I'm in my favorite kind of beer. So by default, stouts kind of start at the fours and up for me. So Uh this is a 4.25. It's the Wicked Weed. Again, it's the Wicked Weed Brownie is its name. It's an imperial stout with chocolate and natural hemp-like flavors. And the hemp is not overwhelming, so that's good. So if you do like stouts, folks, the Wicked Wheat Browning, Brownie is okay. What do, what do you think about the Tropicalia? So first of all, from a branding perspective, I think this is one of the most beautiful cans that has ever existed in the beer sphere of life. <laughs> It's stunning. It's gorgeous. You have this little lady who's coming out of the water right there that no one ever notices, but it's just so serene and picturesque. It's ripe, juicy, aromatic, balanced. And I would agree with all of those things. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give this wonderful creature. See what I did there? Creature comforts. Yeah. Um, A 4.7. So we'll do that. That'll work. That's almost perfect. That's almost perfect beer. Almost perfect beer. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for joining us. Please subscribe to the Drink While You Think podcast. We're on YouTube. We're on all the podcasts now. So pick your favorite podcast and share it with your friends. But uh, thanks for like teaching us about marketing today, Brooke. That was awesome. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. I'm so excited. That was great. I loved it. (laughs)